I'm excited to be with you all this morning. Uh, excited to continue on in this new series we just started last week. If you weren't here, uh, it was called, well, it is called FOMO. Um, and if you're like me, uh, you might not know what that means. I didn't know what the acronym meant until uh, Justin actually told me about this idea. So it stands for fear of missing out. Um, and if you want to get a little bit more content on that, take a look at the screen. There's a definition. It, it basically is like the perception or thought that um, what someone else is uh, doing, they're having more fun, living, better, living a better life, or experiencing something better than you are. So it's the, that feeling or the perception that, uh, that that's happening. Um, and if you weren't here last week, don't worry, you can hear that message. Um, there's a few different ways. So there's the podcast app, um, if you have an iPhone, I don't know if you don't have an iPhone. Um, sorry if you don't have an iPhone. It's, uh, but there's a podcast app. You can do it that way. There's the Foundry Church website. Um, and then there's also uh, Facebook, too. All the videos are on Facebook, so you can go back and uh, check it out that way. Uh, and as Justin said, um, we are going to be uh, talking about comparison today. Um, in that message last week, Justin talked about a few different strategies for um, dealing with this uh, feeling or perception that you're missing out. Um, and he also hinted towards like three things that this feeling or perception can do in your life. And those three things were that it can cause deceit. So it definitely can make you believe a lie. Um, it can skew what your purpose is. So it can totally make you feel uh, unimportant. Um, and then lastly, it makes you compare. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go uh, and focus a lot on comparison. Does that sound okay? Sweet. Um, so let's pray because, um, hey, we should always go to God before we do anything, right? So if you wouldn't mind, um, pray with me, please. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you um, that it is uh, just free and available to us, that it's safe for us to, to use. Um, and God, I just pray that we could uh, look to it and learn from you, because um, it's absolute truth, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. So um, let's use it, because you've put it here for us. And God, I just pray that you'd speak through me, that um, only truth would be spoken, that it would be uh, challenging uh, and encouraging, and um, above all else, it would be meaningful uh, and purposeful. Um, for everyone here. And we just love you and we praise you and we um, pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, I'm uh, going to get started with something a little lighter. Uh, leading up to today, I put a Facebook post up about like, what's the most common, popular thing that you compare? Um, I, asked, I also asked some people from uh, my job too, so I compiled all that together and looked at like the most common responses. Um, and if you want to check that out, they're going to be popping up here. Uh, possessions was like the number one most frequent answer. And then following that was appearances, relationships, and that was more along like, oh, being single at a certain age versus being married already. Um, and then what followed those three were um, your career skills, like comparing how you can do something uh, to how someone else is doing it. And then one I didn't think about, which makes sense because I, I don't have kids. Well, my wife and I don't have kids. Bray, sorry, Bray. Uh, totally forgot to talk about her and embarrass her a little bit. But um, 
that's my wife pray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so like I didn't even think about that answer, like comparing milestones in lives of uh, your children. So, um, and then lastly, uh, experiences, which totally makes sense. Um, you know, you see people doing awesome stuff and you think like, oh, why am I not doing that? How come I can't do that? Um, I know Micah thinks that because he's the one that gave me that answer. So. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm challenging right now before we dive into uh, comparison and scripture, um, find what answer uh, yours is for when it comes to comparing in your life because we're definitely all guilty of it. Um, like even just sitting in connect group this week, um, plug for that if you're not in a connect group, definitely encourage you to find one. Um, so we're talking about things that like we find ourselves comparing in Connect Group, and everyone in the room had one. Um, and it's something that we, we all can do, and it can happen like so quickly without even realizing we're doing it. Um, but right now, so right now, find what that answer is for you, okay? You don't have to like say it out loud or write it on a paper. We're not going to do anything like that. But just find what that is. Maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's not. Um, and think about that uh, as we go along this morning because uh, it's going to be important, Okay. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be looking at Galatians today. Um, it's a book in the New Testament. A few things on that as we go into it. Um, it's written by a guy named Paul. Uh, that's the man who was formerly Saul. That's uh, the guy who was actually martyring Christians in the early New Testament. He was literally uh, attacking people who were preaching uh, Jesus Christ and what he was doing. But he had this life-changing transformation, is now um, actually one of the leading advocates for Jesus at the time. And he had gone on a bunch of different mission trips. And one of the ones he went through was through this area called Galatia. Say Galatia. There we go. I'm glad you guys waking up for me. I know it, it, it's hard to wake up. So he went through Galatia, right? Just like, it's a place, just like, you know, Morgantown's a place. Uh, and he's no longer in Galatia, and now he's writing this letter back to them because there's a problem that's developing in Galatia, okay? And the problem is, is that before, before Jesus was born as a baby, lived his whole life, you know, blameless, without fault, before he was sent to the whipping post and tortured and then crucified till death and resurrected, before all this happened, right, before he rose from the grave for us, for the opportunity, just for even the opportunity for us to have faith in him, before this all happened, there were two classes of people, okay? So think, close your eyes, think, all right, Jesus hasn't been born yet. There's two classes of main people you need to know about for this there's Jewish people and there's people who weren't Jewish, okay? And that was known as Gentiles. They were the non-Jewish people and then Jewish people, okay? So then Jesus came, lived this amazing life, died for us, all that awesome stuff. And now you have people from both of these classes who are, uh, who are putting their faith in Jesus, okay? So you have the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. And here's where the problem comes in. Here come, this is why Paul is writing this letter to Galatia. He's writing it because you have these Jewish Christians who are telling these Gentile Christians that they need to be observing the law, the Torah, uh, the, the law that Moses brought down from the mountain in the Old Testament. He's, they're telling these non-Jewish Christians that they need to be observing the law in order to be a true Christian. And when Paul hears about this, he is ticked off. He is super mad, and he has a good reason to be mad. 
because what these, what these folks are saying is that in order for you to really be a Christian, to, to really be saved, to really benefit from what Jesus did, you need to follow a life that's up under the law, the Torah. And what, they, what Paul says in regards to this, he's saying, if you're gonna live your whole life and you're gonna base your success and your relationship with God off of the law, then Jesus died for nothing, is what he says. That's a big statement, isn't it? Yeah? So he's writing this letter because he, he needs these Gentile Christians to know, hey, you, they got it all wrong, okay? You, you're belittling what Jesus came and did when you're putting that kind of power in what the law is. And I want you to look at this scripture with me. This is what Paul's actually writing in the letter. It's in uh, 16, I think verses 15 through 16. It's up on the screen here. Yeah, sweet. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. That's his whole point. It's not by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because the works of the law, oh, because by, by, the, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And throw, throw that verse, the, uh, the clip up there with the, the bolded um, font on it. This is the whole premise of why Paul's writing this letter because these Jewish Christians are making it all about the law. They're telling they're telling these non-Jewish Christians that they need to do things like get circumcised, that they need to do things like observe the calendar that the Jews use. They need to do things like only eat the clean meat and all of these other laws from the Torah, from the Old Testament, from the law that Moses brought. And Paul's saying, listen, if you're gonna live your whole life based off of trying to adhere to that law, then you're completely throwing everything that Jesus did out the window. You're completely disregarding everything Jesus did if you're gonna put the weight of your salvation and your faith on that. And that's what he means when he says a person's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. Throw that slide up there with justified on it. Let's explain this word because it's kind of a word we don't use every day. So to be justified means to be declared righteous, to be in the, in the right view in the right relationship with God, to be forgiven, given a place in God's family, okay? And, and these Jewish Christians were saying that in order to, to be justified, you need to follow and uphold this law. And Paul's writing this letter now to say, no, that's not the case. It's not that. It's completely through faith in Jesus that you're justified. It's only through faith in Jesus. And, and why, why is this prevalent when we're talking today about comparison? and FOMO and the fear of missing out, is because we have, we have the scripture, right? We have the Bible available to us today. Let's learn, let's learn from it, right? Let's look at it, let's put ourselves in the shoes of these people and see what's going on, all right? When you think about these Jewish Christians and these non-Jewish Christians, I mean, what's going on? The Jewish Christians are clinging to this law. They're, they're, they're holding tightly to what they can do to earn their, their justification. They're, they're holding on to all the things that they can do that make them feel important, right? Oh man, I observed this, I, I followed the rules so well, look what I did, I, I, I upheld this to a T, I feel important 
because I'm doing it this way, right? I, I feel purposeful because I did this. I, I'm following the law. And then they're comparing themselves to the Gentile Christians, and they're saying, what you're doing isn't good enough. What you're doing isn't going to make you a real Christian. What you're doing isn't going to really save you. Not until you do these things. Not until you follow these rules. And look what Paul says when he's encouraging these, uh, these Gentile Christians when they're being told this. He, he says, I think it's 16 and 17. Mm, no, it's, you'll get there. <laughs> Keep going. Anyway, it'll get up there. But he, he says that the Jewish Christians are doing this to, so they can get zeal from the, from the Gentiles. They're doing it for the attention of it. There it is. They're zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised, to follow the law. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. So even though they're trying to talk these people into, into following the law and observing it, they're not even doing it themselves. But look how he, how he closes it. He says, yet they want you that they might boast about you in the flesh. So literally what they're saying, what this is saying is, these Jews are, are telling the, the Gentile Christians to do these things only so that they can feel good about themselves and saying, wow, look at, look at the disciples that I made. So that they can boast about how they changed these people. Man, can you start to see the, the danger in comparing there? And like, I know this is like hundreds of years ago, but this is the same thing that we try to do today, isn't it? Paul's message is, is so simple. It's saying that faith in Jesus alone is what puts you in right standing. Faith in Jesus alone is what puts you in right relationship. Faith in Jesus alone. But what are these people doing? They're trying to earn it themselves, right? They're trying to do, do, do. And why would, why would anyone want to do that? Well, the answer's right there. So they can have zeal from other people, so they can have attention from other people, so they can boast about what they did. And that's the same thing that, that we do to ourselves when we try to compare, isn't it? It's like, I gave this example in the first service. I, I try to play the piano. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm that great at it, but I like to play. And what do I do when I compared to other people, well, it's either going to be like one of two things. It, it's either going to be, wow, that person's really good. I suck at piano. <laughs> or it's going to be, oh, wow, like, okay, I'm as good as that person. Uh, oh, man, I, I feel better about myself. And it's that same idea when we compare ourselves to other people. You're not going <laughs> to get anything from it. Your, your true value isn't going to come from comparing yourself to anyone else. Your true purpose isn't going to come from looking around the room at what other people are doing. It, if you looked online on Facebook or in your family or friends and you saw what they were doing, how they're excelling in their major or how they're advancing in their workplace, whatever, you're just going to be like on a wild goose chase 
trying to do whatever it is that you think is going to make you feel valued or make you feel important. But the answer is not there. Because if you only, if you only seek these temporary things that you think are going to make you feel good, that are going to make you feel justified, it's never going to happen because it only can happen through faith in Jesus. That's what's going to do it. And that's why this is so important. I mean, we can like look at the, old, the New Testament and see all these books, but when we really look into one, like we're doing in, in Galatians, and you really look at what the, the meat of it is and the content, this is what's happening. It's comparison. It's people losing sight of Jesus because of what's going on around them. And that's what happens today. It's still, it's still relevant today. The same stuff that they dealt with then is still happening today. So I started this by putting that list of things up there uh, about like what are, what are the most popular things that we compare, right? And maybe your answer is up there. Maybe it's not. I know mine's up there. I'm so bad about like comparing possessions with other people and for myself, right? And I have to like, I got to silence that when that happens because that's not where my value comes from, all right? I can, I'm really bad about looking at what, where I am in life with uh, finances and my age and these things, and then I'll look and if I see someone younger than me who's doing, in my opinion, better, then I start to judge myself and think, well, why am I not doing that yet? I'm older than they are. I should be ahead of them, right? And that's not where I should find my value. When you do that, you lose sight of where your true value comes from. It comes from Jesus. It comes from the Lord. That's where your value is going to come from. If all I ever did was look around at how other people are exceeding at their jobs and their careers and, and got like bitter about it or upset about it or down on myself, I, I'm just going to go on a wild chase trying to find value in what I do and I'm just going to keep beating myself up about it because in my mind I'm not doing as good as they are. And it's all a lie. It's all a lie. And it's because we lose sight of where our value is really coming from. We lose sight of where our importance is really coming from. It's not from those things. And that's what Paul is saying in that. He's, he's, he's wanting to tell these, these Jewish Christians to stop, stop preaching this message because you're making people lose sight of what's the most important thing. Jesus. It's what Jesus did. But what do we do? We want to cling to what we know, right? We want to cling to what's, how it's been, right? I mean, think about the time, probably from when Moses brought down the law to when Jesus was actually born. That's all they knew. And then Jesus comes and does all this, but they want to just hold on to what they know because that's what's making them feel valued. That's what's making them feel important. Do we not do that same thing, Right? We look at what we have, we look at how we can do something, and we want to feel valued because of it. And all we, all we really end up doing is put someone down or feel worse about ourselves because of it. Why? Why do, we don't have to keep doing that. You don't have to keep doing that. Find your answer. What is it that you're comparing yourself with? All right, find it, because that's the first step to getting rid of it. Because the Lord wants you to hand that over to him. All right, so that, that's the first step. What is it? What is it that you're, that you're finding your justification from? Justification is just a word, right? It's just the word that makes you feel like you're in the right place, right? But it's really faith in Jesus. It's so simple. 
It's so simple. Let me get a drink of water. <laughs> All right, are you there? Do you got your thing? Are you, are you close to getting your thing? Does that make sense? Why Paul wrote this letter, right now we can all go home now and know, hey, that's what Galatians is about. There's a problem going on in Galatia. Paul wrote it because he was ticked off and, you know, saved the day. So, but what I was just saying, um, it was a long time from when Moses brought the law to when Jesus was born. Yeah, like a long time. So, Paul writes this letter and the natural response is, well, why, why even the, why was the law even ever brought then, Paul? Like, if you're saying, do away with the law, then why? Why why was it ever here? Like, why, why did we ever have it? And Paul says, you know what, let me, let me answer your question uh, with, a, with a lesson, so to speak. You know, he kind of does like a little juke on them. Um, not quite the Jesus juke, but similar. So he says, well, you're so invested in what the law is. Think back to Abraham before the law was ever a thing. And think about God's promise to him. What did God promise Abraham? He said that through you, Abraham, many nations will come from it. He tells Abraham to look up at the night sky and see the stars and how, how bountiful they are, how many there are, and say that like, your, your numbers will even be more than these. Right? So Paul's saying, you're getting wrapped up and the law, when this promise happened before the law was ever even given to you. The law was there and it served a purpose, right? It, it helped you stay in a line, you know? It, it gave you a guide to go by. But he says, listen, listen to this. And he talks, this is in Galatians 4. This is what he says to them. He gives them a real-life example to understand the meaning of what's going on. Isn't that nice when you understand things? Okay, so you have to put yourselves in the shoes of the people of Galatia real quick, okay? You ready? All right, times were a little different then. This is how things worked, okay? So you had, you had a family that had uh, possessions, land, animals, you know, whatever. And when they had kids, after so many, t- like after so many years, they passed along that inheritance to their kids. Make sense? We still do that today, right? Not too different. But here's where... Uh, the, the change kind of happens where you might be like, oh, that is a little weird. So during that time, it wasn't until the child came of age that they would be eligible to get that inheritance, okay? Like, until they got to a certain age, they didn't have the rights to take it yet. That's why it was such a big deal in the story of the prodigal son when he asks for in- his inheritance early. You know that story? Anyone? Yeah, that's why it's such a big deal in that story when the, the son asks for his inheritance early, because he asks for it early, because it's not supposed to happen until a certain age. Does that make sense? So Paul says, hey, you know how this works? You know how you give stuff to your kids when they come of age? Well, it's that same thing that's happening to you with Jesus and what he did. Jesus came, died, resurrected, all for the, the opportunity, only to give you the opportunity to say yes to him, to, to put your faith in him. And when you put your faith in him, you are of, an, you're of, of age for the inheritance. Does that make sense? Let me read this scripture to you now. I wanted to say that first. I think it'll make sense. So he's saying, what I'm saying it is, is that as long as an heir, that's the person receiving it, is underage, He's no different than a slave. 
although he owns the whole estate, he's going to get it when he turns of age, the heir is still subject to those over him. So also you and me, when we were underage, we were in this spiritual slavery, so to speak, of the world. But then the set time had fully come. God sent his son to be born as a baby from a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. You are an heir to that. And God sent his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Doesn't that make sense now? Sometimes, like, Scripture's a little deep, and you've got to, like, do some research to understand that. I, I would not have known that an heir was the same status of a slave until they got an age, right? Like, you would think that the king's son is always the king's son, regardless. But in this time, it was different. You were, they were literally viewed in the same status as a slave until they got that age. It's kind of weird to think about, right? But it makes sense, then, why Paul's saying this. So what he's saying is, hey, listen— what you guys do, the way you view those who are underage, same thing's happening while you're still observing that law the way you are. Until you realize that you're justified by faith alone, you're still going to be under that law. You're still a slave to it. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to be. You don't have to wait until you're 15 years old or whatever the age is to inherit it. You can inherit it today. It's waiting, Right? Jesus, I mean, you can just picture, like, he's like, all this could be yours, but you're the one that's choosing to still be a slave under the law because you don't want to put your faith in it. You want to keep observing these things. And Paul says this about the law. He says the whole law can be fulfilled in one thing. He says, loving your neighbors as yourself. I think it might be up there. Loving, he says that, that fulfills the whole law. Loving your neighbor as yourself. It's like a boom moment, right? And the, the, the awesome part about all this is that, you know, it's not like Paul writes this letter and he's like addressing a problem and he says, hey, listen, you got to stop comparing and you got to start having faith in Jesus. Good luck. Sincerely, Paul, like closed letter. No, he doesn't. Because the final part about being justified by faith is that a transformation can start to happen. Because just like Paul said, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. We're not alone, right? It's not just up to us. And, and look at this. Uh, can you put up, I think it's, yeah, sweet. Look at this. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. And you see this little arrow I put in here being really artsy. It makes sense when we don't just look at scripture in one particular verse, right? It, it's better to do the context. We all agree, right? We don't just pick and choose and then make it into what we like, do we? No. So Paul says, so I say walk by the Spirit. You might not know what that means because it's you know, kind of unusual language. Walk by the Spirit. He's literally referencing what he just said in the, in the previous two verses. Actually, would you go back to 14 and 15 if you don't mind? 
He says, you're my brothers and sisters. We're called to be free. That inheritance is waiting for you. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it's all about. And, you know, I was reading this week, and I got to 15 here. And this is my opinion, but does this not sound like the result of comparison? If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So, and the one, you see, serve one another humbly in love. Love them as yourself. But doesn't that same thing happen when we compare each other? Devour each other? Be destroyed by each other? Because what happens when we compare each other? You're either going to get, man, I'm better than you, or you're going to get, man, I'm not as good as that guy. You're either going to hurt yourself or put down someone else. And it's, again, like, it, it feels like that could be the result of comparison. Uh, that's what it makes me think of, at least. But he says the whole law is fulfilled in that. Love your neighbor as yourself. If, if the worship team wouldn't mind coming back up here before I start breaking everything as I step on it. This whole message is so, it's so simple, right? But it, it can be so, so hard for us to grasp it, isn't it? It's like you look at, you look at those people in Galatia and how often do we just do the same thing, right? I'm so guilty of it. Like, it's so easy to look around at how other people are doing, what other people have, where other people are going, right? How other people are living, and then look at ourselves and compare, right? It's, man, it's so easy. Do we not do the same things? Like, yeah, we're not telling people to go get circumcised, but, <laughs> right? Hopefully not. But we still do stuff to impress other people, don't we? It's like we still want to do stuff to, to make other people look at us and think, wow, right? And we don't realize what we're doing to them when we do it. Just like we don't realize what we're doing to us when we do it too. It's like, it's literally biting and devouring each other, right? There, there's nothing to gain from it, like nothing. And uh, one of my um, favorite pastors, uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin Myers, uh, second, second to Justin. You might have heard of him. His name, <laughs> his name's Andy Stanley. Um, he, so he does these little like tidbits where I totally forgot to do this in the first service, by the way. Um, so you guys are lucky. Um, he does these little tidbits where he makes little rhymes so you can remember things. And um, just cheesy alert. Uh, but here it comes. It's when I compare about whom do I truly care, that's what I want you to remember, okay? I want you to remember that. I want you to remember what it is that you're comparing because I don't want this morning to just be about going to church and leaving, right? I don't want it to just be about checking the box of Sunday, but I'd really like it if this message made you think about what you compare, about what it does to you, and maybe the person that you're comparing yourself to as well. And then think about, what, 
what am I really doing when I do that? Who do I, who do I really care about when I choose to just compare these things? These temporary things too, right? A car. I mean, how often is the flashy car all of a sudden the car of five years ago that no one cares about, right? Like, you could look at all of those things and be that. Like, do we not all age and do not all of our appearances change with time? Why do we get so wrapped up with all these temporary things when there's only one thing that's outside of time? It's Jesus. It's only the one thing. Uh, last thing, uh, I, was, I was reading this week, and you guys, have you, do you know the, the disciple Thomas? You ever heard of Thomas? And what's the one thing we always think about when you think about Thomas? <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't do that in the first service because I was afraid no one would say it, but way to step up, guys. I appreciate it. When, it, when I think of Thomas, I always think of that doubting, right? He's, he's the guy who's like, you know, his friends came and tell him, hey, Jesus is back, our Lord, we saw him. And he says, until I put my finger where those nails were and until I put my hand in the side where he was, where he was stabbed, well, I, am I going to believe, right? That's like Thomas's like, claim to fame. Oh, really? Such a crappy thing to be remembered for, isn't it? Like, we literally call people doubting Thomases. Well, at least I've done that before. Just as a joke, though. Um, but I guess I shouldn't do that anymore, right? Um, so I was reading this week, and, you know, I thought about that. And do you know, you know when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? That's like on statues and stuff. It's, it's so, you know, so popular. Did you know that Thomas is the reason that that verse is in existence. It's Thomas who said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can, we, how can we find the way? Thomas is in a completely different light there, isn't he? He's like, I guess Jesus is telling him that he's leaving. And Thomas is the one who's like, God, where are you, like, where are you going? I want to know how to get to you. But what do, <laughs> what do we tend to do, especially me? Man, I... I look at Thomas and what he said about the finger in the side, and I'm like, man, I'm better than Thomas is. Like, I, I wouldn't have said that. Like, that's pretty brutal to be like, until I put my hand in his side. So I say that just as a, this is like a, a lesson of how easy it is to compare. I mean, you can find yourself comparing people who were dead hundreds and hundreds of years before you, people who lived with Jesus, right? But then you look at little particular instances and you're like, man, I would never say that. But he's a guy who dropped everything and was following Jesus. But we don't think about that, do we? We're like, Thomas, doubting Thomas. <laughs> this is some sneaky stuff that we try to get hit with, isn't it? It's like, we have to be mindful, but we're not alone. We have the Spirit. We can walk by the Spirit. But as long as we're in the flesh, man, it, Paul says, as long as you're in the flesh, there's a conflict going on. Sorry. It, it's not always the easiest thing, but it's the only true way, right? 
Faith in Jesus is the only way to be justified. Faith in Jesus is the only way. So when you leave today, you know, and the first time you go to compare something, I hope you stop and you think, you know what, I'm not going to do that because, you know, I'm not being loving to myself or to that person when I do that. And the, the, whole, the whole law is fulfilled through just loving your neighbor as yourself. So you got to love yourself if you're ever going to love them, right? That's what we got to do. Would you pray with me, and then we'll get into a time of worship. And uh, I just challenge you guys during worship just to think about those, think about those things you compare, and let it let it go, and ask ask God to take it, ask Him to take it from you. You can talk to you can talk to the Lord during worship. Like it's okay to do that. Ask Him to take it, and I, I totally believe He will. I totally believe you will. Jesus, thank you uh, that we have your, your word to, to learn from. God, it's, it is still here, this letter that is so prevalent to today. Yeah, we got to do a little bit of work to, to maybe fully understand some of the things. But the same things, the same ways that the enemy was using then to try and get people away from you, he still tries today, but we're smarter than that. So God, let us put an end to comparison. Let us get rid of the things that we put value in that are, that are valueless. God, help us to acknowledge our true importance in you, our true value, our true purpose in you, Jesus. You call us your handiwork, and we're made for good things, the right things. Help us to not lose sight of that, Jesus. Uh, God, we love you, um, and, and we praise you, and we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at thefoundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thefoundrywv.com.